Hello, I'm Joe Devine from the TIFO Football Podcast, and I'm here today to introduce Adam Leventhal on the Athletics Premier League Countdown Podcast. Adam has been celebrating the return of the 2019-20 season, which is only days away, by releasing 20 podcasts on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That's two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Today's episode is Watford, and Adam is switching role from host to interviewee. We've already released shows for all the previous teams, so you can catch up with those on this podcast feed or ad-free via the Athletic app. If you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and get 40% off an annual subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to enjoy the best football writing anywhere. Adam, of course, also participates on From the Rookery End, the Athletic's Watford-specific podcast, which has been running episodes all season and throughout lockdown. So make sure you check that out and listen back to some recent special episodes. So, without further ado, here's the fantastic Adam Leventhal. Adam Leventhal, welcome to your own podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm sort of slightly trepidatious because being an interviewee rather than the interviewer is, is a little bit more challenging. But uh, if you can go easy on me, then I, I'd be very grateful because it has been quite an arduous journey getting through all these all these podcasts. <laughs> well, I'm glad this is come, this comes right at the end. So in a way, you know, it's a, it's, it's a bit like your swan song. Um, so let's yeah. start with an easy one uh, with that in mind. You went to a game of football at the weekend. Mm. What on earth was that like? It was... Um, Sort of partly soul destroying, but also quite um, heartening. If that, if, that, if those two things can exist in the in the same way, um, in terms of simple logistics, it was very very um, straightforward. There weren't any sort of crowds to get through. Uh, there wasn't more traffic around Vicarage Road. Um, it was obviously you know a stark reminder of the the situation that we've been in. Um, being so close to Watford General Hospital, which is, you know, still fully operational and there's still, um, you know, casualties of coronavirus um, hoping to to recover on the wards there. Um, You have to walk up, have your temperature checked, go through a a medical questionnaire. You have to wear a mask when you go into the ground. Face coverings have to be worn at at all times. You're sat two metres apart from your colleagues. There's obviously no fans in there. You can hear everything that is said, which is um, very, very interesting. I found that one of the most interesting things about the game. And, you know, having spoken to to Ben Foster in the build up to um, the game, he was saying that the the team are trying to sort of um, trial out um, things to get them G'd up. And it was very noticeable um, that he was very, very loud and, you know, if there was, you know, Kiko Femenia going forward on the right hand side or Christian Cabaselle had, you know, recovered well to, to intercept the ball, he was very, very vocal in his support. And I just wonder whether they're thinking, look, let's almost be the crowd ourselves at times and, and don't be backwards in coming forwards in, in terms of the encouragement that we're giving each other because no one else is going to be giving us any encouragement. Right, and you don't think that's something that gets like a lost in the in the normal crowd noise, and you just don't hear. Well, yes, I think that I think that there is there is that, but now they only have the option to be supplying it themselves, um, and yeah, we we'll, we never know exactly because yeah, it completely gets lost because you have that that murmur of the crowd, or you have you know a very very loud crowd at not not that often at Vicarage Road this season, <laughs> but um, at times. Um, but I think that you know they have to now approach it differently, and they need to 
be able to stimulate themselves um, to remind themselves that they are in a relegation scrap. They can't coast in these final nine games. They are right up against it. So I think there was another thing that, that Ben Foster had said, and it was related to the crowd noise that was played in a, sort of an intra-squad friendly that they played on the Tuesday prior to the, the Saturday game against Brentford. And it was almost as if he was a little bit embarrassed that um, there was crowd noise being played during the game when the ball went out of play. And he basically said that it was really, really annoying. But I think that what the players have to do, if they are going to be encouraging their teammates on the field and doing it even more than normal, they have to sort of leave their their shame at the door a little bit and think, look, we we can only look after ourselves here. So don't try and sort of style it out and be cool and, you know, with your opponents, it's, you know, it's all a bit of a strange atmosphere and we're effectively playing a friendly match. Forget that. No one else is going to look after you. So, you know, if you're going to shout louder, do it and it may well pay off and it might be the the 1% that um, might push Watford over the line. That yeah, maybe line. maybe a bit of an advantage there. That's interesting. Well, I mean, you, you've referenced this already in the, in the sense that Watford cannot coast for these final games. Um, but let's go back to to March before the lockdown. How were Watford doing then? Um, they were doing better than they had done in the in the first section of the season. Obviously, they were into their third head coach um, after Javi Gracia and then Kike Sanchez Flores, two um, head coaches that basically failed unfortunately for them um and Nigel Pearson you know that initial um boost that he gave the club was was essential to getting Watford into this position that they are in now outside of the relegation zone I think it was what four wins out of five um they beat Manchester United they beat Wolves and then after that they did sort of revert a little bit to how they've been doing before and they lost three out of four uh, they lost two in the last minute against Aston Villa and Everton. Um, but then, you know, just prior to, to the lockdown, there was that amazing win against Liverpool, which came out of nowhere. But it really did show that um, anything can happen. And it was, a, it was a fantastic performance. And I think one of the subplots to it is the fact that um, Ishmael Assar, who's been, uh, you know, not a revelation because people knew about him at Rennes before, um, but it's it's shown how vital he is to this Watford side because he he just he not only um, is important for the team when he has the ball, uh, it's when he doesn't have the ball and players around him have it, the opponents are worried about where he's going to go. And I think they are a little bit more um, conservative because they know that he can get in behind. And I think that overall, that really does help Watford, you know, defensively and also going forward. So um, he is back, he is fit and he's going to be a key, key player for Watford this season. Yeah. Well, maybe let's come back and talk about Saar and other key players too. Um, beforehand, I mean, obviously the ambition is to avoid relegation. Um key fixtures in the lead up to that Adam and and how likely do you think that this is how confident are you I'll put it that way I'm I'd like to say that I'm a glass half full person but I'm just I'm, I'm not not I'm I'm not sort of like painfully negative but I still can't quite believe that Watford are in the Premier League anyway so I haven't quite sort of advanced into the fact that other people think oh yeah we're an established Premier League team I'm always quite impressed that we play against Liverpool and, and Manchester United so yeah. um in terms of the you know in terms of the fixtures it's a tough. It's a tough start against Leicester. Um, I think they'll be targeting the other four home games 
um, that they have against Southampton, against Norwich, and then against Newcastle. Um, they do have a game against Manchester City, which is well, it could go any could go anyway, really, in terms of how many Manchester City score. But um, I think you know those three home games are going to be um, essential for Watford to to win. They have to they have to win those games because I think it's going to be very very tight. They've only got twenty seven points on the board. They're going to need to probably get up to 40 points to survive. So they have to be collecting points at home. And then, you know, a a game that I think is probably earmarked by West Ham fans and also um, for Watford fans, certainly the away game at London Stadium to play West Ham. You know, West Ham are also in trouble. So that might be one that uh, could result in either side going down if if they haven't been in good form. So I don't know. It's an incredible sort of position to be in having to fight against relegation in such a sterile atmosphere I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it all pans out to be honest yeah I mean you've actually you've got three in a row which I think you know potentially is a make or break point for for, for Watford's season you're at home to Norwich then you're at home to Newcastle and you, you, we were speaking just before we started recording actually about Newcastle's running maybe you can revisit that as well Adam and then the West Ham game you feel like if those games go badly that's it for Watford right yeah, definitely. I mean, they have to, I mean, who knows what Norwich are going to do? And I know that Michael Bailey uh, has spoken very positively about Norwich's chances. They've like, they've got nothing to lose. They may as well, you know, go for it. And they've got some good players. Um, Watford will have to beat Norwich in that game. Newcastle's run is very, very interesting. Obviously off the pitch, um, you know, you've obviously gone into detail on the, on the Saudi um, potential takeover in one of your wonderful videos. So pat on the back for that. <laughs> Thank um, you. But, you know, that is a distraction. Um, and I think their, their run-in is, is very intriguing as well, because if memory serves, they sort of go from playing a team in the, in the top six or the, you know, the the teams that are going to be fighting for for European football, and then they flip straight into a, a team that is battling against relegation. So they don't really have many games against teams uh, that they would hope to be included in in the bracket of sort of being middling and and safe. So I'm not I'm not 100 sure whether they they won't get sucked in uh, to the relegation scrap. But I mean that might be that might be disproved early doors and they'll pick up a couple of wins and they'll be safe. And then if they are, then that will be a bonus for Watford because um, they will need to win that game against Newcastle heading into the game at the London Stadium. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's very tense, very tense indeed. Can you imagine if uh, Newcastle do get relegated a day after the, the, um, <laughs> the uh, acquisition bid finally gets accepted yeah. by the Premier League? That would be, or maybe they'll just hand it off. Maybe that's their idea. Wait until Newcastle get relegated and then hand it off to the Football League to decide instead. Yes. Um, what an interesting conspiracy theory. Okay, we've talked about Ishmael Assar. Um, other key players for Watford, who, who are going to be your most important players going forwards for the next nine games, Adam? Um, I think obviously you have to look at the the captain Troy Deeney. Um, he was doing pretty well before lockdown. He'd, he'd come back from that injury. Uh, he scored six goals. There was a couple of assists as well. Um, it's it's been interesting to to watch this Watford side this season once again uh, be so reliant on him. And I think that you know one of the key subplots for the team, and it, to be honest, it has been for the last couple of seasons. They need to come up with a plan of Dini succession, which they haven't quite grasped yet, because he is such a sort of a talismanic leader, and he gets everyone pumped up. 
he's going to be important. Um, I think another player that is going to potentially be important, especially with so many games coming thick and fast, what, three in the first uh, eight days, um, is Danny Welbeck. He he looked pretty fit um, and lively when he played uh, in that friendly match that I went to see behind closed doors. Uh, he was actually operating on the left-hand side where um, Gerard Delafeu had obviously been playing very well up until he got his injury. So he might be an option on the left. And also he was quite keen to sort of join in as a second striker. And I think that that's, that's really important for Watford, that Troy Deeney actually operates better in a partnership. Um, so if there is the opportunity for Welbeck, who's obviously... Um, more naturally a a striker rather than a, a flank player. I know he's operated a lot for Manchester United and for Arsenal on a flank and for England as well. But, you know, he, he is a striker as well. He likes to get into the box. So if he can join in, that would be very good. Um, I think also another, another player that I'm interested to see, especially now that Watford have, um, you know, that five substitution option is João Pedro, um, who arrived from Brazil and he's actually sort of he's bulked up a little bit and he came on in the second half against Brentford and looked really good he's got you know great sort of attacking instincts and he's quite confident um so i think there might be a few players on the periphery that like like for all clubs will get more of an opportunity and because there isn't going to be the pressure of playing in front of big crowds who might be very quick to sort of mumble and, and groan. Um, the fact that they're not going to be there, they might just be able to sort of have a bit more confidence and they might try a few things that are the reasons that they're at the football club in the first place. So uh, we'll have to see if maybe João Pedro, maybe Domingos Kina um, as well sort of gets an opportunity. So there are sort of, there's, there are reasons to be cheerful for, for Watford, um, but, <laughs> but there are also a lot of reasons to be fearful as well at the same time. That's football. Um, okay, so uh, of course every remaining game is going to be televised live. For listeners who haven't seen Watford too often this season, what should they be looking out for? Under Pearson, um, defensive discipline, which was hugely lacking uh, in the beginning part of the season under Javi Gracia. Uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores obviously brought in a little bit more solidity, but he sort of chopped off, chopped off the, the attacking arm of the side and uh, you know made the, the defensive legs very, very strong. Um, and Pearson seems to have got that balance uh, a lot better. Um, there are still obviously question marks over the defence, maybe a little bit creaky, um, a little bit slow to turn if you've got attackers, you know, getting in behind. Um, but then other than that, there is a lot of positive elements to that Watford side. You know, Etienne Capoue is, is, you know, languid in style, but he's he is someone that can actually drive the team forward and he's got a great engine. Um, the same as Abdoulaye Decore, technically very, very good, very keen to get box to box. Um, you've got experienced players as well, like, you know, Will Hughes and Tom Cleverley, who are also in the mix. And then, you know, Ishmael Assar, who, you know, we mentioned a little bit earlier on, he is so important to Watford in this final run-in. Um, because when he plays, he he not only sort of um, pushes, pushes the opponents back, but he is also a supply line and he's excellent at getting the ball in the box. And that's what Watford uh, were lacking with when he wasn't in the side. Um, and he also scores goals, four goals in uh, nine games, three assists in that time as well, two against Liverpool. And when he was out, Watford really, really did um, miss him. So in terms of the, the style of play, it can be very, very attractive. Um, especially when the likes of Saar 
are on song and decore um, as well. So look out for the, the fullbacks as well. Uh, Kiko Femenia has got lightning wheels. Um, Adam Messina down the left-hand side has been a sort of a, a revelation this season coming in on the left-hand side rather than Jose Holobas. Um, so there are... Um, there are moments when Watford can be very, very attractive, but also because over the course of this season, their the confidence have taken so many hits, they don't have to, um, it doesn't take them long, I should say, uh, to, to maybe sort of suffer a, a, a big dent. Um, but, but then who knows if, if the fact that there aren't going to be crowds there, they don't feel that weight as much as they had done earlier on in the season, then then maybe they might recover better. But I think just in general, for all teams, the team that goes behind in games, it, it just seems to be more of a struggle to get back on level terms, I think, because you haven't got the crowd sort of pushing you forward. So I don't know, maybe they, they might have to crank up the, the fake crowd noise a little bit more. Maybe that <laughs> might actually, rather than annoying them, it might do, it might do a good job. I don't know. We'll Drown see. everything out. Yeah. Um, Here's time for the impossible question now, Adam. Uh, how do you predict they will fit? Well, where do you predict they will finish? I suppose really we could simplify this and say, are they going to stay up? I really, really don't know. I, I'm not sort of trying to sort of um, put low expectations because I genuinely think um, they are going to stay up and it'll be comfortable. I really genuinely have no idea whatsoever. Those first three games for Watford at home against Leicester, away against Burnley and then at home against Southampton, if they can pick up four points from those first three games, then I think they will be in with a shout of staying up. Um, obviously, they've got to go to Chelsea. They finish at Arsenal as well. and They've got Manchester City. And then we talked about those three games to come against Norwich, Newcastle and West Ham. But if they can have some something to sort of grab hold of early doors um, and the teams below them take a few hits as well um then i think they i think they're very very capable of staying up but i simply don't know because i'm not sure how other teams around them are going to react to being in in the same situation so I, i'm sorry i'm massively on the fence <laughs> sitting there with with my head in my hands <laughs> no i think it's a dignified place to be <laughs> Well, thanks a million to Adam for joining us today. Listeners, if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, make sure you go to theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to enjoy all of Adam's writing on Watford plus much, much more. And you can currently get 40% off an annual subscription, which works out to be about £3 a month or 10p a day if you're in the UK. And make sure you listen to From the Rookery End, The Athletic's dedicated Watford podcast. Adam and the team will bring you the very best coverage when Watford are finally back in action. And finally, scroll back through this podcast feed and the Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts, each one dedicated to a different team. To all of you today, thank you for listening and enjoy with us the return of the Premier League. 